Good afternoon, everyone. It's great to be uh, with you again, um, and especially uh, with my parents. So they are here. <laughs> so I think Chris agreed to translate for them in Malayalam. <laughs> so um, I think they've been to many meetings when I was speaking in my mother tongue. I think today is going to be then to rely on God. Maybe they can ask the the, the gift of interpretation of uh, you know languages. Okay, um, today we are going to go through Acts chapter 6, verse 8, till Acts chapter 7, verse till 60. So it's going to be an epic uh, portion. I was thinking, uh, I like to preach a small portion, but seems like it's impossible, because uh, um, when Stephen preached, he was not thinking about me, I'm going to be in trouble like, you know, just, uh, he just passionately preached and he died. So now I'm in trouble, you know. <laughs> now, uh, so what we are going to do now, uh, we will be reading uh, from Acts chapter uh, 6, verse 8 till 15, a whole portion we are going to read. Um, but um, at the end, you will get the opportunity to um, to respond some of things. You know, how many uh, people or how many specific persons mention throughout the scripture, you know? Okay, so you can say, okay, it's mentioned Joseph, Moses. I'm not giving all the clues, you know. So if you are correct, all the names, you will get a chocolate from Chris Marriott, you know, so. <laughs> okay. Uh, I will read uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 8 till 15. Then I know I need to pray someone to, you know, to read. So hopefully someone will uh, read. Incredible. I know it was a long portion. Um, I was thinking, do I need to read all of this? It will take a good chunk of my preaching time. But now it's easy to preach because you know the whole story. Um, so I don't need to preach much. That's the <laughs> so Stephen is the main uh, person, you know, just like a, uh, so some of the characteristics uh, in Acts chapter six and seven men- uh, mentioning, if I, uh, I think I'll be following some of the PowerPoints, so that means I can stick with the PowerPoints. You can stick with the PowerPoints, easy to. To finish uh, the preach is easy. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And verse 8 says, he was full of grace and power. And verse 10 says, his opponents could not resist his wisdom and the spirit with, with which he spoke. And verse 15 says, his face was like the face of an angel and he was, uh, he was accused in the court. These are the characteristics of a man named uh, Stephen. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Apostles did many miracles and wonders. They did healings, miracles, wonders, supernatural. But in the book of Acts, Stephen is the first person mentioning he did miracles and wonders in a very, very specific way. So sometimes we can think, oh, miracles and wonders, preaching, teaching are just just for some specific people. But here, he was delegated 
to serve at the table. You know, when uh, there was uh, lots of people coming to the church, and they need to uh, divide the uh, feeding system to the widows of the Hellenistic Jew. They were not able to do that properly at that time. Apostles appointed Stephen, but he was not stuck in his that that job. He was preaching, he was teaching, he was doing miracles and wonders. He was full of grace and power and no one was able to oppose him because of the knowledge, because of the Holy Spirit worked in him and through him. It's very important. When we try to do things by our own strength, I don't know the scripture, I can preach or teach like that person, it's not about us. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, relying on God and depending on God. And this is a gift and uh, asking God, I may not be able to answer the questions some of my work colleagues ask, but I love to trust in you, God. When you want to use me, you can use me. That's the main point, you know. So through here, we can see that through the work of the Holy Spirit, God was using him to teaching and preaching. Because of his uh, healings, miracles, and preaching, or teaching, and uh, different things, he, he, he got into trouble. The accusation against him was raised from the Pharisees, or from the people from the synagogue. Two things, and the second slides will show that. One, he was accused, uh, one thing was, he was blaspheming against the law and against God. Two things are there. Speaking against Moses, that means he was talking against the law. For a Jewish person, for a Pharisee, Joe, uh, like a carrying the law is, he will die for it. That's everything he got. He loved it, he, he devoted to it, and religiously he do everything. And if anyone speak any word against that, he will be he will be dead, you know, that's, that's it, that's according to the scripture, he, he, he's supposed to put to death, so they were very passionate, always looking for that, even Jesus was preaching, Pharisees were looking, did he say anything against the law, did he say anything about this one, oh yes, yes, he, he did, he did, he's blaspheming me, he, he's, he's talking against the law, so he's supposed to die, so they were always looking for opportunity to trap him, so now, here we go, he's in trouble now, he was talking against Moses, the law, and against the temple. My goodness, for a Jew, it's unacceptable. He can think about such kind of thing, anyone speaking against the temple. Because that's God's dwelling place. So Stephen broke two rules. He is speaking, uh, he spoke against the law, and he spoke against the temple. That's God's dwelling place. So, that's the reason why they brought him before the uh, Sanhedrin for the trial. Did he really did these kind of things? We don't know, because there was some false witness. At the same time, we can understand that when you're talking about Jesus, about his resurrection, about, about his redemptive plan, and especially when you say that Jesus is the Lord, he is talking something, you know, against the law and against the Moses according to the Pharisees, but not according to the scripture. For them, they can't understand that one. They always thought Jesus was a troublemaker and all his followers were troublemaker. And here we go, Stephen is another troublemaker. We killed Jesus, we need to deal with the next person. 
But he got the chance to uh, communicate uh, before, like because it's like a fair trial. Okay, before we going to uh, kill you, we are going to give you a chance to talk. Fortunately, unfortunately, he made one of the longest preach or talk in the history of Book of Acts. <laughs> so he did very spectacularly. He used that very well, you know. So. Here, in Acts chapter 7, we can see that one. Then the high priest asked him, Are these charges true? To this, he replied, we read the whole story. Let's start with the Abraham. Where did he start that one? He started with the Abraham. He's talking about a man called Abraham. Okay? You know Abraham. So they might be thinking, What do you think about us? You're teaching us? We are Jews. We are Pharisees. We know about Abraham. This little guy is talking to us about Abraham. Okay, anyway, he's going to finish with Abraham. But he didn't finish with Abraham. He continued with Moses. He went to Joseph. He went to, to all the patriarchs. You know, just go on and on and on. I don't know so how much time he took to explain everything. He, his point was, guys, you are accusing me about two things. One is Moses or the law. And the second thing you are accusing me against the, the temple. Okay, let me start with Abraham because he is our father. Everything is starting from him. God gave promise to Abraham. God communicated to Abraham. The nation of Israel is existing now because of Abraham. All the covenant was coming through Abraham. You know, so he was a key person. Let me start from Abraham. Who was he? God of glory appeared in Mesopotamia. Where is Mesopotamia? That's not in Palestine. That is not in Israel. That is outside the covenant place. But God of glory didn't wait for a place to appear in front of Abraham. He appeared outside the promised land. What does that say? You are holding on to this temple and you are talking highly about this temple. But God was limited by a place. Did the same God appear to Abraham in a random place? A place people were worshipping idols. A place Abraham was helping his father with making idols. That's the very place God appeared. The God of glory. He was starting a case. You're accusing me against the temple. But look at God. He was not waiting for a temple to appear. He appeared to him Mesopotamia. And in verse 5 it says that God gave him promise. God gave him covenant. But Abraham never saw that promise. Physically, he never, be, he never he came there. Even Joseph, uh, even, uh, even uh, Isaac didn't come to this promised land. What about Jacob? He didn't come to this promised land. What about Joseph? He didn't come to this promised land. But all these people believed and followed what God has spoken. So now, you are so passionate about this building and you are accusing me against blasphemy. But look at God. How did he work? He worked in a bigger way. He was not limited by any geographical uh, kind of placement. Not even a food. In verse 5, God was working even when a temple did not exist. exist. So Stephen's emphasis was how God revealed himself outside the Holy Land. Let's move to Joseph. 
How many of you know about Joseph? Have you heard about Joseph? Beth? Have you heard about Joseph? Look at that coat. Yeah? Andrew, did you see that coat? Have you seen that coat? You know, colorful coat. He was, you know, called by God, appointed by God, and God spoke to him when he was in Egypt. God spoke to him when he was with his, uh, uh, with his parents, not even in Israel, you know. And he, sent, he was sent there and he was uh, living in, in, uh, under the captivity of, of these people. Then he was promoted to as a prime minister. But God revealed many things when he was outside in that place. He was chosen by God. But what was the response? God anointed him. God appointed him. But the patriarchs is talking about his brothers. Don't worry about that difficult word were rejected. He, he was rejected by the patriarchs. And that shows, Israel, do you have, a, you have a track record of rejecting leaders? That's the point. Whenever God appointed someone, when, whenever God gave someone to rescue you, you always opposed them. You always rejected them. Indirectly, Stephen is saying, you're in that category. Then get that, that point. They're still waiting. Okay, he's going to finish now? No, he's moving forward now. He says God was with him. God's presence with, with, with Joseph in Egypt. The cursed place, the, the place of slavery. But God was with him. God spoke to him in Egypt. Physical temple is not crucial for his saving purpose. So that's the case Stephen building. Let's move forward. Who is the next person? Moses. The one who delivered Israel from Israel was educated in a secular setting in Egypt. It was not like Pharisees. He was educated in, 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 a, in an Egyptian context. Hence God accomplished salvation in an unexpected way as he has now done through Jesus of Nazareth. So they always use the word Nazareth. Oh, he is Jesus of Nazareth. Because is any goodness coming from Nazareth? That's a, you know, uh, uh, it's not a great place, Jesus of Nazareth. They always look down on the place called Nazareth. But Stephen is saying, look at, look at Moses. God used him when he was in Egypt. Then he's moving on. Uh, 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 when he was talking about look at Moses and Jesus they have similar characteristics verse 35 uh, let me read you know, uh, if I read verse 35 it says this is the same Moses whom they had rejected with the words who made you ruler and judge he was sent to be their ruler and deliver by, by God himself God appointed them. God gave them. God, God appointed them to deliver from the captivity. But they are thinking, who made you as our ruler? Through the angel who appeared to him, to, to the bush, he led them out of the Egypt. And did, he did wonders and miracles, signs in Egypt, at the Red Sea, and for 40 years in the desert. Verse 37. This is that Moses who told the Israelites God will send you to a prophet like me from your own people 
He was in the assembly in the desert with the angel who spoke to him in Mount Sinai. And with our fathers, he received living word to pass on. He was saying, look at Moses. He, he said, he was mentioning about a, a person, a prophet coming to deliver you. A same person. Moses did miracles and wonders. He was talking about, this is Jesus. He was talking about Jesus. Can you hear that? Can you understand that? Can you see that? Just compare with the life of Moses and Jesus. It's very obvious. This is Jesus. He was chosen. He was type of Christ. God, uh, uh, type of Christ. Both ways, men were sent by God. And both were the redeemers. Both did miracles and wonders. And Christ the prophet whom Moses predicted. When you get time, read, please read. Deuteronomy 18.15. I already read enough scriptures for today. I don't want to go there again. So, this is Jesus he was talking about. But you are missing the point. Let's go to, uh, 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 move on to the next one. Israel's apost- apostasy, you know. So, how did they resist it? When God gave them everything, they said, Okay. So God appointed Moses, but he went to the mountain. We've been waiting for a long time. We need something to worship. Let's create something called a calf, you know. Well, let's use all the gold, you know. So, so then we can create something and we can worship something created by our own hand. Heartbreaking time. God appointed Moses. God gave everything to deliver these people. But even in the midst of that, when, uh, uh, Graham was mentioning about manna, you know. So God gave everything, everything. He was merciful and compassionate. But there is a moment, he was a bit late. He was talking to God. He was, he was delayed to come down. But they didn't have the patience. They're thinking, let's make something. Let's create something so that we can worship that. We can follow that. They willfully, purposely, uh, uh, in, uh, what did they do? They, they rejected God's plan and followed the work of their own hand. Again, rejection of Moses' leadership. Let's move a bit more forward. <coughs> the next clip, please. These are the charges, you know. So charges one was temp, uh, tent and uh, uh, one of the thing, uh, to, talking, one of the charges was against the temple. Then Stephen was trying to communicate. Because you are saying about temple. Let's start. Where did the temple start? Whose plan was that? That was God's plan. God didn't plan to create or build a temple. This was God blessed that one. That was actually a request came from whom? David. David is the one. Can I build a temple? Can I build a temple? Can I build a temple? Go on then. But not your time. Your son will build. But God's plans was tent. It was tabernacle. In the wilderness, whenever they moved, the temple moved or the tent moved. Whenever the people stopped, the tent stopped. Or whenever the tent moved, people moved. Whenever the tent stopped, people stopped. So God's heart was a tent or tabernacle moving with people or people moving with the tabernacle carrying the witness carrying God's glory and being witness in wherever they go God never planned 
a temple here, that's it. Now God's heart was to demonstrate his glory wherever the people moved or he used the people to demonstrate his glory through moving the temple. So he was, he was communicating. Stephen was saying, if you read the scripture properly, guys, I know you guys are Pharisees. You are brilliant. I'm not educated like you. But if you have the common sense, it's quite obvious that God's plan was not a big temple. His plan was a glory moving from place to place so that he can proclaim his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his, his compassion to nations and people can come to him and get saved. But temple plan was, that was a request from David, but he is not denying God blessed the temple, God glory dwelled in the temple, he is not denying that one, absolutely God did that. But God's heart was a tabernacle carrying, contained the witness. It continued as Israel place of worship through the period of conquest down to the time of David, but in 2 Samuel 7, 1 to 17. Another thing you can go and read. <laughs> so David was asking, can I build a temple? Let's move a bit more forward. Bang! What is bang? So he's building a case, okay? And he is coming to a point. What was the main point he was trying to say? Okay, you are talking about the temple, 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 temple. What does the scripture actually say about the temple? God, what's, how does God see the temple? Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 16, verse 1 to 2. Okay, verse 48. The same scripture you can read in Acts chapter 7, verse 48. Yet the Most High does not dwell in the houses made by hands, as the prophet says. You are accusing me about this building. But actually scripture says, God says, he does not dwell in the houses. And he says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place for my rest? Do not my hand made all these things? You are grumpy about me now. You are accusing me. You're trying to stone me. You're trying to kill me. But actually, what God says, are you trying to rem- limit this big, huge, amazing, gracious, compassionate, miracle-working God in a temple and you're holding it like a puppet? Or like a teddy? Or, or like something precious? And you are so boastful about your devotion to this building. But actually, God's heart is bigger than that. God's plan is bigger than that. Can you see that? He's saying, Did not my hand made all these things? And he's trying to bring a conclusion. You know, guys, I've been talking for a couple of hours now. I started from Abraham. You were thinking I'm going to stop. Then I went to Moses. Uh, 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 and to Joseph then to Moses okay then I explain all kind of things even I explain all kind of things you know what's the problem it's not my problem you got the problem what's the problem you have some stick neck you know you need to fix that one that's the problem rebellion rejection 
of God's plan. And you got something in your brain and you don't want to walk according to God's plan because you think as long as I do something, as long as I make something, I feel I get the self-worth. I, I do get the kind of acceptance and identity. So when God is gracious to me, no, I don't want to receive that grace and mercy. No, I want to do things my own way. The problem is you stiff-necked people. You uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. You're saying, it's, it's not, it's, you're not resisting Stephen. You are not just resisting some of the people preaching the gospel. You are opposing the gospel. You are opposing God. That's the problem. It didn't start from you Pharisees. It started from your fathers. Even they are blaming their family history now. My goodness, I, I didn't know that. He, this guy got a great courage, you know, <laughs> to speak before these people and say, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did not your fathers persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand and coming to the righteous one. He's talking about Jesus, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels did not keep it. Angels delivered the law to Moses to deliver to you for your salvation. Here Jesus is the deliverer, but you kill him. You rejected him. The same way you rejected Abraham. The same way you rejected Moses. The same way you rejected Joseph. Here, this is not an accident. This is not something new. This is your history. This is your track record. Don't blame me. This is your problem. I know that you may kill me or not, but I'm going to talk something from the scripture. This is what God wants to do among you. Oof. I can sense the tension in that room. He was completely accusing them. Let's move on a bit forward. The troublemaker is Jesus. All these things started from him. Because in Mark chapter 14 verse 58 he said, Destroy this temple. And I will rebuild it within three days. But these people thought Jesus was trying to destroy this temple, the beautiful temple. Something we love, something we devoted to, something we are proud of. And he's going to bring some ammunition and some tanker and some Jesse B and some, you know, he's going to destroy that. How on earth you are going to do that one? This is our precious thing. We will die for it. If you speak anything, we will kill you. That's it. We killed you. We nailed you. Can you see that? Actually, God was revealing something to the people. But because of their stiff neckness, nakedness, uh, they completely missed. Destroy the temple. Their fulfillment, their meaning, their sense of significance from what they could achieve from their own hand. That was Jesus came to destroy. Salvation is not through work. Salvation is not through religious efforts. Salvation is not through going to the temple. Salvation is not through following the law. Jesus came to destroy that. Because he was the fulfillment of the law. And people trying to, okay, I'm going to do this one. I'm going to do this one. This is what Jesus meant. But they completely misunderstood because of their hard-heartedness. 
They don't want to receive it. Even though they heard this again and again, even though they knew that this was God's plan, delivering people from Egypt to, to Canaan, you know, so this was God's plans, and Moses was appointed, but they said, oh, we can't wait that. Let's make a calf and worship. And they turned their heart to Egypt. Shocking. Other than following God's sovereign plan. And God's plan was sending his son and demolishing the religious, legalistic idea. And he knew that they're not going to get saved through that one. Because they are trying to find their fulfillment through what could they achieve with their own hand. That's why they were so proud of the temple. But Jesus came to build another in three days that is not with, her, with, with their own hands. But they didn't understand that one. Let's go to the next one. God is so free and so great and so sovereign and so self-sufficient that he gets all the credit for everything and he won't let himself be limited or controlled by anybody's man-made temple. That was God's, God's declaration. I'm going to destroy, destroy this temple. I'm going to rebuild it so that people can come to the throne of grace with a condemnation of fear. But they thought, it's all about my work my sense of achievement, I need to do something, then only I feel good, I want to achieve my salvation through work. These people were passionate about the religious love for the, the religious love for the temple. That's the reason they accused Stephen. Let's move forward. Let me uh, move quickly, then we can conclude quickly. Stephen was saying, guys, I made a spectacular, annoying, ridiculously irritating speech now. Because you were thinking, how dare you talk to us like this, like we are babies of the law. We know all these stories. But in the midst of all that talk, Stephen was shouting, even now. Grace is available for you. Even now, grace is available for you. You are stiff-necked. You are hard-hearted. You are turned away from God. But even now, because that's what scripture says in Exodus 34, 6-7. He is not eager to punish. He was not looking for a person to punish. You know, oh, somebody is sinning. Let me, let, let, me, let me punish him. He was not looking to punish people. He was slow in anger. He's eager to forgive and move on with the repentant and humble people. That was God's heart. He's slow in anchor. He was so compassionate. People murmured. People uh, talking many, many things against Moses and, uh, and God. But he still was merciful to them. But there is a point. There is a resistance to the Holy Spirit. Verse 42. God turned and gave them over to the worship the host of heaven. Did it mean that God forced them? That was their choice. That was their choice to follow, follow 
their own heart and their desires. But in verse 45, even after that, I was so moved by that, even after that, God loved them. Even after that, God fought for Israel. Even after that, Jesus was sent. Even after that, Jesus died in their place. Even after that, even now, that mercy is flowing. Even now, grace is available for you. God is slow to anchor and abound in steadfast love, showing faithfulness to thousands and forgiving iniquity and the transgression and sin. Next one, please. Next. Okay, that's the one. Yeah. Don't get fulfillment from the work of our own hands or from the achievement of our own strength. Matthew 12, 6 says, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. That's astonishing. Jesus saying, something greater than the temple is here. Jesus, the same Jesus talk, something greater than Solomon is here. And third one, he said, something greater than Jonah is here. He is everything. He is supreme. He is sovereign. He is so compassionate. Today we were hearing the, 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 the river is flowing. The spirit is flowing. Come back. Manna. Every day. God wants you to come back and be renewed and refreshed. But when we are living our life every day, sometimes we can go back to work. I need to do something to to have a self-fulfillment. I need to do something. I need to do something so that I have some sort of achievement in my life. I should do something. Actually, God is saying, you can't receive salvation through that kind of thing. It's actually absolutely done by God's grace and God's mercy. The whole point... Stephen trying to make Jesus. He is the fulfillment. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is everything. He's not the temple. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 68, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. That's me. My plan is to rebuild and restore the whole concept of temple so that you can carry my spirit everywhere. That's what in, 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 in Corinthians chapter 3, uh, uh, chapter uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16, or 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 says, you are the temple of God, the spirit of God living in you. But sometimes we can miss the whole bigger picture of what God is doing. He is the king of kings. He is the lord of lords. He is greater than a physical achievement. He's greater than our jobs. He's greater than our marriage. He's greater than our, 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 our things we have. He's God. And He is the fulfillment of the law. Through the scripture, what actually God wants to communicate to us? <laughs> What's the point God wants to... We know God. We are under grace But sometimes we can slip back into legalism. Sometimes we can think and to do something to have that fulfillment or achievement. God is saying it's not about that kind of achievement. 
is all fulfilled in, fulfilled in one person, that's the person of Christ. He is greater than the temple. And he is filling your hearts and minds with his living spirit so that it's such a joy to carry God's glory wherever we go. That's the place the tent started. That's the place the tabernacle started. So God is reminding us, this is my bigger plan. Sometimes we can miss that one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We can completely miss what you're doing. Because we can come with the preconceived ideas and we do think this is the way God is going to work. And we can be so blind about your plans and purpose. But you are so merciful and you are so compassionate. And you are just and kind. And you are righteous. This is our prayer, God. Would you please come? And fill us with your spirit so that we can be a living temple carrying God's glory. We don't need to be so obsessed or secure in our achievement or where we live or what we do or how many people we shared gospel or, or how many hours we prayed. Lord Jesus, these all things should come out of love. Because you already saved us. You already rescued us. You already renewed us, God. That was your plan. But Pharisees missed that point. Israelites many times missed that point. But we are so thankful to you, God. You reveal that great mystery to us. But we need your grace more and more. To live as a living sacrifice for your kingdom, God. To carry your glory in our workplace. To sing your glory among our neighbors and friends without any condemnation because all things are fulfilled in you, Jesus, because you are greater than the temple. So we don't want to rely on our achievements, but we want to trust in you more and more, God. Come, Holy Spirit, lead us. Amen.